Hello and welcome to Own Your Wings. If you are listening to the first time, I am Rachel Charles and I'm the Freedom Coach. I work with women who are feeling that overwhelm of full-time work, parenthood, and many of them have also suffered with abuse. I help them to start living a life that they design rather than the one prescribed. I help them to start breathing life back into hopes, goals and dreams that they thought were long lost. So today's podcast is looking at how to spot if you are in an abusive relationship when there is no violence. So this recording is not designed to be used for you to start dissecting your relationship and start finding fault with it because misunderstandings, disagreements, even arguments are normal in any relationship. However, where these are frequent, intense, they last longer than considered, than can be considered normal. If you come out of these misunderstandings feeling worthless, or they may be huge over something that's really insignificant, then this needs to be looked at. The list that I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through five different areas, five different signs that could indicate you're in an abusive relationship when there is no violence, but this list is not exhaustive. And it also doesn't mean that if a partner does X, then they are automatically abusive. Although some of these will be huge red flags that undoubtedly will signal abuse. So sign number one, the inability to be yourself. So you may find that, you know, you have a different persona when when you're at home as to being at work and when you are around your significant other you are constantly being criticized you can't be yourself everything you do is not good enough you may be compared to other people maybe an ex-girlfriend who is seen as the standard and you don't meet up to that standard you may be compared to somebody that they don't like And, you know, on the one hand, they may say, oh, I really don't like this person. You're better. But then they will come back and say, oh, that person will never do that. And what that does is then make you feel inferior to that person and not good enough because you've clearly this person who they despise is better than you. You will feel that you have to walk around on eggshells all the time. And you may start changing your behaviour in order to curry favour with that person and to always be in their good books. So if you feel that you can't be yourself, that's one of the signs. Sign number two, being controlled. They always have to be the captain of the ship. They make all the decisions or sometimes they make all of the big decisions and then leave the little ones for you. Or they may dump some decisions in your lap knowing that you need their support, which they don't give. And then if it fails, obviously, it's your fault that it all went wrong. They sometimes may set a standard that is so high that it's unachievable. So basically, they set you up to fail again. Or they may set this standard so high, but then move the goalpost so you can never meet up to what it is they want you to do. And in the end, they have to make up, end up making the decision and telling you, see, told you I should have done it. They may be in charge of the finances, the decisions to do with the children, decisions to do with the home. You may not be able to decorate your home the way you want to. You may not be able to spend your money the way you want to, even if you're working. Or they may make decisions as to you can't work. Um, or if you are working, they make the decision as to where all the money goes. And if you do something that does not fit in with what they want to do then they withdraw affection and again you find yourself trying to do things to again get back into their good books so controlling behavior is one of the major signs that you are in an abusive emotionally abusive relationship number three isolation they may be jealous of friends your family, even your children that you have, whether together or if they're your own children. Um, It may be that you've gone out on a um, 
to a family event or with friends and they are upset that you are speaking to somebody else and sometimes they can cause arguments at events you know by saying you've left me in the corner or they may cause little scenes that embarrass you and what that does sometimes is it stops you from accepting invitations <clears throat> or it stops you from um, associating or mingling what's the word I'm looking for you know mingling with people if you go out you may just find yourself in the corner with your mate um, not catching up with old friends or even family members because you don't want your partner to be sitting in the corner in their supposedly lonely state they may make um may make it difficult for you to be on the phone if you're with family members and friends telling you you're spending too much time on the phone and they may tell you that you're spending too much time with your own children they will make excuses so that you can't associate with friends and families like i said they may be rude if they go out um and you can't always talk about what happened if you did meet with friends and family because they put a dampener on anything that is, you know, good about associating with others and having that friendship circle. You start feeling that you are crazy. You know, you may say, oh, this person said this and then they may make something out of it where there is nothing. And you might start yourself staying away from family and friends because you're being led to believe that they are maybe talking behind your back because this is what your um, partner is saying or you just stay away because you just don't want the awkwardness of either going to events on your own because he's not there or she's not there um, or you just don't go because you have to make an excuse to be with your significant other. You may feel that um, you may feel that something is wrong with this, but you may not say anything because you fear that judgment. So isolation is a huge tool in manipulative um, narcissistic relationships. Number four, verbal abuse. You will be put down, you will have name calling, there will be shouting, there will be swearing, the arguments will feel out of control um, if you're somebody who doesn't like obscene language they may just use it all of the time um, sometimes to draw attention in public it may be just to embarrass you or just to hurt you even if it is um, between the two of you they may do it in front of the children for what seems no reason just that feeling of just being out of control there is something that's called narcissistic rage and when you anger a narcissist they literally go from zero to a hundred in a fit of rage which just feels uncontrollable and just over the top so the verbal abuse making you feel like nothing putting you down comparing you to people that you know they don't like or somebody who is hurting you they may say you know this is why that person doesn't like you because of what you've done and will literally make you feel worthless. And number five, it just doesn't feel right. You are in a relationship where you are not happy, you feel low and you are only getting lower. You just know that something doesn't feel right, you feel fair for example, you know, they make you feel scared that you may be in a car with them and the way that they're driving is making you hold on to the, the handle in the car and you're pressing your imaginary brake, you know, trying to slow down. You just know that you do not feel safe in that relationship. Um, that is a huge sign, you know, apart from all of the others that are there, that is one of the huge signs that tells you that something is wrong in this relationship. What are the effects of all of those um, those five signs? Like I said, it's not exhaustive, but you know those are five signs that could show that you're in an abu uh, ooh, sorry, emotionally abusive relationship. That feeling of worthlessness, worthlessness, 
um, low self-esteem, feeling unworthy, trapped. You may feel that you're on an emotional roller coaster. You're up one day and down the next day and trying to get back and feel that high of being in, in love and in favour with this person and nothing you do ever seems right. It can lead to anxiety, depression complex PTSD, you may be experiencing sleep problems, you start doubting yourself, you don't trust yourself and a lot of the times you think you are going crazy and that is you know one of the things that if you think you're going crazy then you're somewhere where you really shouldn't be when you start when you start not trusting yourself, not trusting your judgment, not trusting conversations that you have. What do you have to do? You need to start trusting your instincts if it, as they say, what is it? If it quacks like a duck and looks like a duck and walks like a duck, then it probably is a duck. If it doesn't feel right, then it ain't right. And a lot of the time, if you are in an abusive relationship or with a narcissist, sometimes you spend an awful lot of time trying to change things and change them. And it takes a while for you to realise that it is not your job to make them change. It is only your job to make sure that you are okay. And you have to bear in mind that this could escalate. And you have to look after yourself. You come first. Choose you. So these are five signs that I, I had put together as some of the main things that you may see in a relationship that throw out red flags, that, you know, and sometimes these red flags, we paint them green and think, oh, it will get better over time. Oh, you know, they were having a bad day and we refuse to see those red flags. And like I say, we paint them green sometimes. But if you are experiencing any of these have a look at where you are and compare it to what you think normal should be. And if it doesn't fit, then you probably need to get out of there. So if you want to connect with me, send me a message or find me on Facebook. I have a group that's running called The Freedom Army. My name is Rachel Charles and it was a pleasure. And I will see you on the next episode or you will hear me on the next episode. So thanks for listening. And remember, we only have one shot at this life. This is not a dress rehearsal. So let's go out there. Let's own our wings, stand in our power so that we can start living rather than existing and leave a legacy. Thanks. Until next time. Bye. Hello and welcome to Own Your Wings. I am Rachel Charles and I work with women who are feeling that overwhelm of full-time work, parenthood and many of them have also experienced or are living in abusive relationships. I help them to breathe life back into hopes, goals and dreams that they thought were long lost and support them in owning their wings so that they can start living a life that they design rather than one prescribed. So today we are looking at how to spot and what to do with a narcissist. That is a word that has been bandied about. It's like the word of the year where everybody is starting to spot narcissists or labelling people as a narcissist. Who are they? What are they? So a dictionary definition will tell you that a narcissist is someone who has an inflated sense of self, they are self-centred, they lack empathy, they have a sense of entitlement, they believe that the world revolves around them, they are extremely sensitive to criticism and they can get angry very quickly. They throw tantrums in what is called a narcissistic rage and they do this when they don't get their own way and the other thing that they can do is the complete opposite so rather than their tantrum they will give you the silent treatment it is a disorder of self-esteem and it's basically like dealing with a child within an adult's body so if you are in a relationship or 
have a family member because you know they can be narcissistic parents mothers fathers who can be narcissists so it's not only linked to a um romantic relationship you can have friends that have narcissistic tendencies how do you spot you know what are those signs that tell you that this person may be a narcissist so i'm going to look at five signs that this person may be a narcissist number one it is all about them every story every event everything has to be about them you could be at a wedding a birthday or a funeral they will make it their day even if it's not their day they exaggerate and inflate stories so you know they will be telling the story and they will be the center of that story everything happened around them they were the hero even if they weren't they will also seek compliments and reassurances just to get a well done because obviously they're the best they are superior and if you're in a relationship with them they will let you know that they are better than you you are less important your job is less important your life is less important than theirs they will disrespect you they will disrespect your property they will be disrespectful to staff if they are in management positions because everyone and anyone they see is beneath them. This will also include their children. They wouldn't see a reason to boost their child's self-esteem. They will pit sometimes pit their children against each other as well. They make others feel less important around them and they are lacking in empathy. They don't usually have anything positive to say about other people um, and they devalue others. However, when it comes to people who they think, oh, this person may be better than me, what they will do is show how they and that person are exactly the same. So sometimes they may obsess about money, celebrity status, how much something costs and they may compare things to show that they are better than you or they are akin to somebody that they see as somebody that they should be like in a relationship they're not in a relationship with you because it makes them feel good they're in a relationship with you because you make them look good number two they are unreliable they make big promises and never keep them they don't follow through being in a relationship with a narcissist means that you can't rely on them they are not dependable they're not consistent you will constantly be let down and disappointed and a lot of times they do this if you've made plans with somebody else how dare you make plans with somebody else so they will say, you know, well, I thought we were going to go out. And so you may get all dressed up, you know, cancel your other plans and then they may not show up. So they will fail to commit. You can't really um, make plans with them because they will not take any responsibility. So, you know, don't have any expectations that if you've made plans, they will um, fulfill them. However... If they make plans, you had better be on time. You had better be perfect. You had better not mess up. Because if you do, you will experience narcissistic rage. They have high expectations for you. You cannot say no to them. But they can disregard things that you do for no reason. Number three. They have a false sense of entitlement. What's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. That is kind of like the narcissistic motto. Do not touch their stuff. Even if, you know, it's something that you bought and, you know, it's there for everybody. No, it's theirs. They will have no business, have no thought about living rent free. They will take over portions of your home if you let them and, you know, they will, they could, and I'm just using this as an example, they will live in your home rent free. There will be parts of your home that you may not be able to go in because it is theirs. They will drive your car, but if they had a car, you may not be able to even touch it 
or you know make use of anything that they have you know that in when you're in a relationship sometimes you have that thing that saying where it's you know what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine no as I said before the narcissist motto is what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine but they will break the rules if they have to number four you must follow their rules and this is kind of like what I was saying earlier they will either throw a tantrum or they will give you the silent treatment and the reason for the silent treatment is not because they are so mad with you that they don't want to talk to you the reason for the silent treatment really is that they are too good to share their time with you because you haven't followed the rules or whatever it is they wanted you to do so you know if you're not going to do what I say then I cannot share myself with you so that's what the silent treatment is about Number five, gaslighting. And that is a word, a term that has been used recently. And we, you know, look at gaslighting. What is it? Gaslighting is literally when you feel that you are going crazy when you have to deal with a particular person. They will deny your reality. You start questioning your your sanity. And, you know, it happens in different ways. So you may be, you may pull them up on something or say mm, don't quite like what you've done here or you know what you said to me kind of hurt me you know that's not very nice and they will turn around and say well what do you mean I didn't mean anything by it you're too sensitive you're too sensitive so you're not able to be angry and they will tell you that you are overreacting however if you bring up any of their flaws they will deflect it away and they may start talking about your flaws instead Sometimes they may, and this is one of the things that happen, one of the main things that happens with gaslighting is denial. So you may know full well that there was something that was said um, or something that they said and they will tell you, no, that never happened. You know, this thing never happened as it was. This thing was never said or this thing was never done. And you, in turn, start questioning, did I actually hear that? No, I did. You know, am I going crazy? Or it may be, you know, I told you blah, blah, blah. And they say, no, you never said so. Or I never said so, you know. So you start literally thinking that you are going crazy. If, however, you are able to to prove it, they go back to deflection. So if you can prove that, hold on a minute. No, 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 no. You did say this or you did do this. And I have the proof here. Then they will go back to, oh, so you're bringing this up. What about when you did this? <laughs> you know, so they always have a way of spinning it back and putting it on you. This happens in, this can happen in lots of different relationships. And it doesn't always mean, and this is where I say that just because somebody shows some signs you know doesn't mean that you start labeling them a narcissist because sometimes you can misunderstand something that was said or think you heard something or think you saw something and it wasn't clear however if it is to the degree that every time you were talking to this person they are always deflecting they're always bringing up your faults if you're highlighting something that they did that hurt you if they are always denied if you feel as if you are going crazy when you are speaking to somebody then that's gaslighting. That's not just a normal misunderstanding. You may even feel that you want to record your conversations with this person. At that point, that is a sure sign that you are being gaslighted because when you feel that you have to start recording your conversations, when you feel that you have to send long-winded emails or text messages when you're explaining and pointing out and reminding then that's gaslighting. As I said, it's when you feel that you are absolutely losing your mind. So those are five ways, five signs that can show that somebody um, is a narcissist or you're in a, in a relationship with a narcissist. Narcissists, how do they even get here? <laughs> they are not born. It's not something that they are born with, but it's a product of nature. Um, there's many different ways that people have said that this kind of um, personality trait comes about. And one of them, lots of times people say, you know, it's because they were denied of that emotional um, 
input when they were growing up. But one of the interesting theories that I've read is where you have parents that are present. They, you know, seemingly a normal, what what we would class as a normal family. So there may not be abuse and whatnot in the family. However, this is the one that a lot of people don't look at because, you know, one of the, the studies that I was reading was talking about you can become a narcissist if you are overindulged in that there is so much emphasis put on your achievements your repair your parents you're going to the best school your parents may be you know working professionals that kind of thing so you know to what society's standards may look as a very good family but you are not getting that emotional input so a lot of people say oh it's because you know there was a maybe a father figure lacking or there was a parent who wasn't there but sometimes you can have both parents there they could be setting the example of you know what we would look at as hard working parents and you don't want for anything but emotionally you don't get that input your parents may be busy they could be suffering from depression and functionally um, depressed they could be struggling with their own emotions and so they can't extend that to you then I've seen one of the last studies that I was reading was saying that that is one of the things that could result in narcissistic behavior so where there is so much value placed on external um, achievements but not on emotional development that is seen as um, one of the things that could produce narcissistic traits so what do you do if you are around a narcissist, if you're in a relationship, if you have a friendship, it's a parent, how do you act with them? A lot of the time, especially where you don't realise that you're in a narcissistic relationship, you try to please them, you try to do more, you you know, you think, oh gosh, I've got them angry or they are disappointed in me, so let me do, let, let me change my behaviour, let me do more and, and I'll change this and I'll, and I'll please them and, you know, we can get back to normal. However, that is just something that never, you can't do right when it comes to a narcissist. Nothing you do is ever right. And all that does is it's such an unachievable goal that you begin feeling like crap. You don't feel good enough. They make you feel less than them. They are not present. You do not have their emotional, they don't, they're not capable of extending that emotional support to you and when you're with them you know they are literally gracing you with their presence because as I was saying before they're not reliable and the relationship is literally just for show how do you survive being in a relationship with a narcissist number one you have to realize that you can't change them they cannot be changed when you identify that behavior um, it isn't something that you can point out to them and they will change. Maybe you can start learning how to, they can start learning how to spot it in themselves. But that behaviour is something that they will revert to when things don't start going there, when things don't go their way again. Number two, if you are in a relationship with or you have to deal with somebody like that, don't set your expectations and think that they're gonna fulfill what they've you know what you want them to and don't get disappointed you have to literally not set your bar high at all because if you think okay I'm gonna do this and and get this done with this person they will sabotage so you know in a way it's it's not the greatest thing but don't set your expectations you kind of have to plan around them and plan to get things done without them being there. Number three, set boundaried agreements. So as with number two, if there's a task that you needed done, you kind of have to put a boundary on, this is what I expect of you to do. This is what I want you to do. But you have to be very clear in what you're saying because they will find loopholes. They will, you know, undermine what you're doing. So you have to be very boundaried in things that you agree with them. Number four, don't engage. So when they are gaslighting you, you know, 
do not engage. If you are trying to defend yourself, it's usually taken that you are proving that what you did, you know, when you start defending, oh, no, I didn't really do that. Or, you know, if they're accusing you of cheating and that kind of thing, they take you trying to defend your behavior as proof. So don't engage, don't defend. That way you don't give them ammunition to use against you. And number five, you don't really need to define them. As I said before, you don't really need to define them as a narcissist. You don't need to point out that I think that this is what you are. Because, you know, it's not something that you can change. And when it comes down to how you survive it, when you realize that you are in a situation with someone who is not going to change their behavior because they can't change their behavior, you have to realize that this is not, this may not be your your job to take on. This may not be your task to complete. You cannot change another person. If somebody has to make changes in their lives, it's something that they have to do. It is hard enough getting our own heads around what we're doing with ourselves than to take on trying to change and work with another person. You have to, you can only work with someone who is capable of changing. You can only work with somebody who identifies that they have an issue and they are working to, they are working to change it. You will feel like crap if you are in a relationship with a narcissist and you kind of have to decide, am I going to stay here, feel like crap and just um, carry out damage control or am I going to get out? The choice is yours. So there you have it. Those are my five signs that you may be in a relationship with a narcissist and what you do to survive it and the choices that you have for your own sanity when it comes down to it. So thanks for listening. Remember, we have one life to live. This is not a dress rehearsal. And guess what? The performance is short, you know. So let's stand in our power. Let's own our wings so that we can start living rather than existing and lead a legacy. Thanks. Until next time. Bye-bye. Hi and welcome to Own Your Wings. I am Rachel Charles, a freedom mindset and manifestation coach and I work with women who are finding life a little bit overwhelming in terms of careers, parenthood and many of them have also gone through domestic abuse and are trying to find themselves again. I work with them to start living a life that they design rather than the one prescribed. I help them breathe life back into hopes, goals and dreams that they thought were long lost. So over the past couple couple of episodes, I've been talking about who's a narcissist, how do you spot them, how do you live with them, how do you get away from them? And I thought I'd speak about why can't women leave abusive relationships? And I have said women, and we do know that they are there is abuse in both sexes. Anybody can be a perpetrator. For the purposes of this, I'm talking about heterosexual relationships where a lot of the times the abuser is male, but I'm not taking away the fact that women can and have been and can be very abusive in relationships as well. However, we all know those people who are in relationships where it's not working, they're being abused, they're not happy, but they're not getting out. Why can't they leave? So I've deliberately said can't as opposed to won't because can't places the onus on the perpetrator and won't places the onus on the victim. And I say that onus because the responsibility has to be taken with when we say, why doesn't she get out? Why doesn't she get out? We're putting the blame on the victim and making them responsible for them getting out when what we should be doing is saying why is this person abusing this person so when it comes to trying to get out on a, of an abusive relationships there are internal and external factors and anybody can have a myriad or you know any combination of external and internal and any number of them as well so it isn't as clear-cut as I'm not happy I'm getting out and then you just do it 
because these things really do keep you stuck. So if we look at the external factors, so what is going on outside of this person that is keeping them trapped in this relationship? Number one, it can be society, family, friends and communities, views and expectations of you. Maybe it might be a cultural thing where you're not meant to um, get a divorce. It may be that you bring shame on the community or family. It may be that they just don't understand what's happening. And when you go to your friends and family and say, I want to get away from this. The first thing they say to you is, why don't you work at it? You're so lucky. He's so lovely. And that's because they don't know what you're going through. And then you can't really start saying, okay, he's so lovely. Let me tell you about the last 10 years of my relationship, because it literally just sounds as if you're moaning. And a lot of the things they will not be able to believe, they won't be able to comprehend. And they might even sit there and think, what on earth is wrong with you? How have you been sitting there taking all of this stuff for years? And what does that do? That brings up shame. There is a lot of shame accompanied with being in an abusive relationship, which means that women stay in them for a lot longer. Because how do you now go and tell somebody you know, I've been in this relationship for so long and this is what I've been experiencing and now I want to get out. You don't want to have that. You don't want to have them looking at you like, hmm, I thought you had sense, <laughs> you know. And that is one of the issues that many people face because it is sometimes the friend who you go to to ask for advice is usually the friend who is sitting there suffering and not able to tell people about what's going on for them. Other external factors are, you know, this person could be suffering from financial abuse. So they look like the perfect package. They look like they're well kept. They are, you know, put in a lovely home. They don't have to work. They looked as if they look as if they are properly cared for. And if they went and said to somebody, you know, I want to get out of it, they'd be like, you're lucky. Look at you. You don't have to work. He looks after you. You go on holidays. You have all the nice handbags and shoes and all that kind of stuff that people like. Why would you ever want to go? And I'm not saying that everybody in that situation um, is, you know, could be in, a, in an abusive relationship. However, what you could be looking at is something a little bit more sinister. You could be looking at financial abuse and isolation. So if you've got somebody who doesn't have to go out to work, has everything done for them, you could be looking at somebody who is being kept away from society does not have money of their own, is totally financially dependent on somebody else, which means that if they are suffering from abuse, they can't go anywhere. They don't have enough money to um, put down a deposit on a house or a flat or apartment or anything like that. They probably don't even have enough money to get a cab. And if they did try to take money, they'd have to account for it anyway, because they're not the breadwinner. So, you know, not having access to funds or having their funds tied up with the other person, not having any association outside of the home means that you can be trapped with no means of escape and no support. So those are just some of the external issues that make it difficult for somebody to leave. And also one of the things is if you have children, that can also be very difficult in terms of leaving because you don't want to be the person who broke up your family although it may be abusive although it's difficult you may think I just don't want the stigma of being that single parent I don't want my children to grow up without a father you may be you know a black woman who doesn't want that society stigma of being that black single mum and having fatherless boys, we all know what the stereotypes are and you think, I don't want my children to be a statistic. And that can keep people in relationships, in places longer than they would prefer to be. What are some of the internal issues? So I'm not a medical doctor, but this is some of the stuff that I've learned over time, where when you're in love, you are literally like buzzing off those chemical cocktails in your brain from oxytocin that makes you feel good and you're literally kind of like on a high and you're in love with this person and everything feels good if the relationship starts going down south 
And if you've experienced trauma in that relationship, any type of ill treatment. So remember, trauma is anything that is distressing. So it may be abuse. It may be shouting. That shock of that ill treatment can be traumatic. So you've gone from, oh, Romeo and Juliet, everything's beautiful, to being with somebody who is the total opposite. But remember, they're not the total opposite every day. They go up and they go down. And because you know how it feels to be up and in that high place where everything is lovey-dovey and great, when you have those low periods where you are being ill-treated, you want to get that high again. And you know that the person who made you feel good is that person who's shouting at you right now. So you just need to get on their good side and everything will be okay. But if you are experiencing that kind of ill treatment, you know, a lot of the time, if it's continual, if you're continually under stress, that means that cortisol, those stress hormones are floating through your body. And what that does is it keeps you hypervigilant and hypersensitive. You are literally in that fight or flight mode for longer than a body needs to be. And what that does is it starts... Um, it you can experience blood high blood pressure. You can start having issues with your sleep, mood changes, physical ailments. You've got aches and pains, and you have no idea why you're getting ill all the time. Migraines, anxiety, depression, panic attacks. You can have bowel issues and joint pains, and and you know there's stuff that's happening physically, and you think it's a physical ailment, but it's because your body is being flooded by stress hormones all the time. You can start to experience PTSD and you can have flashbacks, low mood, that kind of thing. And sometimes we, I mean, we all knew, we all kind of found out about PTSD after the Gulf War when the soldiers came back and were having nightmares. But it is, it can be experienced with any type of trauma. And many people who have been victims of domestic abuse suffer from PTSD and it's also found that they also suffer from CPTSD which is complex PTSD and what that does is give them feeling of shame, low self-esteem, withdrawal, they are unable to trust, it can also result in memory losses and blanking out, self-harming, thoughts of suicide, substance misuse and just that general feeling of just feeling jumpy. So those are some of the internal issues and that people are going through when they are trying to leave a relationship and can't and if you are in that situation where you are continually stressed you cannot sometimes leave a relationship because if you think about being in fight or flight mode you can't plan you are literally surviving on a day-to-day basis you're in survival mode every day wondering when the next attack will come so you can't even plan your escape another thing that causes issues is that and I say another thing it's it's that same trauma bond so this is when you are feeling that high and you're chasing that high with the person you are trauma bonded to that person and it is a chemical addiction that is difficult to break so those are um that was my way of breaking down internally and externally what happens to somebody and why can't she leave? Sometimes it's not that difficult because what you are literally fighting against is nature and you are fighting against chemical compounds that are going on in your brain, literally keeping you stuck when what you really want to do is get out and you can't. So I hope that that cleared up some of um, the reasons. Like I said, it there are a myriad of reasons why people can't leave. And usually, you know, another thing is fair. Totally forgot that you know, why can't she leave? Because sometimes she may be in fear for her life. She may have been threatened. One of the hardest, one of the most difficult times in a relationship, one of the times when you are most at danger is when you end it. And if you know that it can be, you know, a difficult time for people to go, especially if you've got young children and you think, okay, how is this person going to act if I say that I'm going? So, Bear in mind, when you see that person who is in a relationship and you know that they're not happy and you just want to say, why doesn't she leave? Think about what may be happening for that person. Think about the support that you can give to that person, even if it's just a listening ear 
that may be just enough for them to know that they have somebody out there who can support them to help them get out. Because trust me, if you're thinking, why doesn't she leave? She knows in her heart as well that she needs to get out. And what she doesn't need is the blame of, oh, if it was me, I wouldn't be doing this. You know, if it was me, I'd never put up with this. She needs to hear, I'm here for you. What do you need me to do? So in the next episode, I will look at how do you help somebody who's trying to get out? Or if you're trying to get out, what do you do? So I hope this helps. And if you think it can help somebody else, pass it on. Don't be shy. I will see you again for the next episode. Take care and thank you for listening. Bye. Hi and welcome back to Own Your Wings. I am Rachel and I am a freedom mindset and manifestation coach. I work with people who have just about given up on their hopes, goals and dreams due to long careers, parenthood. Sometimes it's because they've gone through domestic abuse and they're trying to find themselves again. And what I do is I work with them to help them breathe life back into those hopes, goals and dreams. It is not the end. And I help them to start living a life that they design rather than the one prescribed. So if you were listening to the first three episodes, you will have heard, you know, how do you know it's abuse if it's not violent? How do you spot a narcissist? And why on earth do people in an abusive relationships not leave? So we know that it can be difficult to leave those relationships. So if you're in it, how do you stay sane? So the topic of this one is staying sane in an abusive relationship. So you know it's abuse. What now? So there's two things that you would have known by now. Number one, you would understand that the issue is not you. And number two, you will know that you cannot change the other person. Even if it was possible for that person to change and start, it's not your job. It's for that person to change. So it's not about you staying in this rela relationship, hoping they'll change or doing things that will make them change. It is something that that person has to do if they are capable of doing so themselves. So if you aren't able to leave straight away and you are in this abusive relationship, then what do you do? Because it's going to be stressful. It's going to be an extremely anxious period. And it is literally going to feel as if you are living in a war zone. So, a couple of points. Number one, get back to you. Start seeing yourself as a whole person. Many times when you're in these relationships, you have been worn down and you are dependent on that other person who is beating you down even more. And you can't see yourself as that whole person who can make decisions and, you know, can sustain themselves. Sometimes we use terms that are innocent in themselves, but can actually compound the problem. So sometimes we say, you know, oh, he's my other half or, you know, they are the better half. And it's funny because that makes me remember something. Um, I remember being with my ex and introducing him to some people. And for the life of me, I've been trying to remember who this was. Um, and I can't remember who these people were. Um, but introduced him to them and he was like, oh yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, the partner. And, um, he said, I'm her better half. And there was a literal hush around the table. <laughs> it was slightly mortifying because if you know how that phrase is used, you actually have to say that the other person is the better half, not that you are the better half. And I remember there was a woman there and she kind of went, oh, OK. And I kind of laughed it off and I said, yeah, you just said it the wrong way. And I remember going back home that evening and I said, you know, when you said that thing, you said it the wrong way. And he goes, no, how did I say it wrong? And I said, you know, you're meant to say that I'm the better half. You know, you, you either say I'm the other half or you say she's the better half. You don't say you are the better half. And he just couldn't get it. But you know what? When I look at it, now, when I looked at it after, I thought he just said the truth because that's exactly how he saw it. He was better. So sometimes when you use those phrases, you know, they do actually make you feel as if you are lesser and that they are better. So start seeing yourself as whole. 
What is good about you? Start writing down what your positive traits are. What is it that other people say about you that you sometimes don't see in yourself? And not the things that comes from the abuser, not the things that come from those people who may be negative towards you. But think about all of the good qualities that some people, the people who are on your side, think about the good qualities that they say about you. Because sometimes it's easier for somebody to reflect back at you what you are because you can't always see yourself so start looking at what are your positive qualities and write them down understand as well in getting back to you understand that you have the power an abusive relationship is all about power and control and usually it's the other person that has it but start understanding that you actually have control over you it may not feel like it but start telling yourself that and understand that you can say no. It might, might start in the little things, but you can build it up gradually. And get back in touch with your friends and family. You know, people that you used to have fun with back in the day, but you've lost touch with. Sometimes due to isolation and not being able to socialise as you, as, as you have before, which meant that you started breaking ties. You know, start getting back in touch with them and building those links because right now your sole link may be the person who's being abusive to you but these other people who can be supportive are the people who are going to help you to get out there's also that thought you know it makes me think of that comedian when I think of getting back to you and remembering who you are there's that comedian who says um what's her name her name's Samore and I remember when they said you know why is your name Samore and she goes because I am all that and some more you know you have to start realizing that you are not this person who has been beaten down for so long you are all that you are worthy and you are all that and some more number two build yourself up so when you're telling yourself that you are some more, build yourself up. Do some mirror work. Do meditation. There are self-help books. There are videos. There's journaling. Start socialising and getting out there. Socialise with your tribe. Get counselling. Do not keep it all in. But you need to do things that are going to build you up and make you feel good. Because for the longest while, you wouldn't have been feeling good about yourself. Everybody would have thought that they are brilliant and that, that the other person, sorry, is, is brilliant. The person who's been abusive to you is brilliant. And, you know, you're just kind of like <laughs> the, the side dish. You know what I mean? They've always been the main person. And you felt like the side dish. But you need to start realising that you are remains all by yourself. So, you know, start building yourself up and do so by, like I said, mirror work, meditation. This is only to name a few, only to name a few mirror work, meditation, self-help books, journaling, getting back out there and touching base with people who you've lost touch with and counselling. I cannot tell you how brilliant counselling is to start building yourself back up identify this is number three identify where you are in the grief cycle if you haven't heard of kubler ross and the grief cycle i would say go have a look at it there are different stages in grief um there's anger denial acceptance and look at where you are on that cycle and it can explain how you're feeling at any particular time for many people, if they've been in a relationship for a long time and they've identified what it is and they want to get out, they start going through that grief cycle um, whilst they're in it. So by the time they're ready to get out, they're no longer in that anger stage. They are no longer in that denial stage. They are making the, you know, that informed decision to get out and they are in acceptance stage and they are ready to bounce. So identify where you are and that could also help you as well number four decide what it is you want people come into our lives for a reason a season a lifetime and sometimes we make seasonal people lifetime people and that was not their purpose that was not their role in our lives so sometimes you know when you make a decision you make 
you, you know, and sometimes we make that mistake. You've made a seasonal person, a lifetime person. Doesn't mean that you have to stick with that decision. Figure out what it is you want. And number five, visualize. See yourself away from that situation. And what that does is it helps you start moving closer to it. If you are in this situation and you feel hopeless, you can't see a way out, you will stay in it a lot longer. But when you start visualizing your life away from that person, then you will start doing the things that will help you to get out of it. I remember years ago for me when I was in this situation, um, I always loved having a vision board and but I couldn't have one on the wall because it was something that would have been mocked and ridiculed so I had one in a book but if you know how visualization works that was probably the worst thing I could do because what do you do with a book you close it and so nothing was working for me but when I finally did do but when I look back at the vision board that I did do he wasn't on it there was nothing there to do with a couple I had things to do with my children I had things to do with me with the future for me so for me when I was visualizing my future even though it was something that I couldn't really manifest because I had it hidden he wasn't there so start visualizing your life away from it and the positive that is going to come into your life and then you'll start doing the things and you start working in in purpose towards that vision so those are my five um those are my five points but actually also know the signs know the signs so and this is sometimes a, a bit of a difficult one to talk about because if you are in a relationship where it can be um violent you will know when things are starting to heat up and this doesn't mean that you are being allowing the abuse to happen because remember you're not in control of the abuse but this does mean that you can stay safe so as much as you can avoid those arguments it may mean that you keep quiet whatever you do do not share your plans of leaving with the person because the act of leaving is one of the most dangerous times in any relationship even if the person hasn't been violent don't tell them that um, they're abusive because they don't really care and they know what they're doing but it also may mean um, that if like I was saying if it's a violent relationship it may mean moving away from areas where you can be harmed for example the kitchen where there are sharp objects the bathroom where there's you know very hard objects but doing those things that's going to keep you safe and as much as possible, diffuse arguments. Sometimes it may be saying, you know, if they're trying to pick arguments with you, it may be saying something like, I understand what you're saying. Or I get why you may, I get why that may make you upset, you know, not having to fight back all the time. And sometimes it's very difficult when they're accusing you of something that you haven't done. But that's usually how they behave you know especially if you're dealing with a narcissist there's a lot of gaslighting lighting that happens and it's not rising to the bait and also channeling that anger you could you know sometimes I, I know for me when I started googling and I looked at you know what is a narcissist when I first heard that term and I realized oh my goodness this is where I am um I was angry I was really angry but what worked for me was channeling that anger into other things I really channeled it into developing myself I did so much self-help and so much development you know because I, I knew that having that anger in me pent up was just not going to be good it would lead to depression stress it, I, I could have started letting it out on my kids, colleagues, friends, you know, sometimes we know that person at work who is just angry all the time. And guess what? It may be because of things that are happening at home. I'm not saying it is, but we have to let that anger out somewhere. And if we don't let it out, then it can start gnawing away at us on the inside. And we wonder why we have these aches and pains and illnesses. And it's because of stress and the anger that we are, you know, keeping inside of us. So 
But on the other hand, it's also good to have anger because it means that you still have fight in you. It means that you could still remember who you are and it helps build your self-esteem and channel. So channel that anger into creating a new life for you. So remember that if you are in this situation, this is just the phase of your life. It is not the end of your life. Every day can be, you know, the beginning of a brand new chapter that you write for yourself. And when you remember who you are, you will realize that you are all that and some more. <laughs> so I hope that that um, resonated with you. And if you think that this might resonate with someone or help somebody who is in a journey or on a path of trying to find themselves and get out and build themselves back, feel free to share and point them over here. But thank you very much for listening. And until the next episode, take care. And remember, we only have one life to live. This is not a dress rehearsal. This thing is so short as well. So let's stand in our power. Let's own our wings so that we can leave a legacy. Take care. Bye.